The following podcast is an Embassy Row production. Well, welcome once again to another episode of The Shaken and Stirred Show. I'm Nigel Barker in New York, and I'm here with my co-host, Tom Astor, who has a beautiful sunset in his background and is sort of boasting about a gorgeous summer day in England, which, quite frankly, there is no better than a summer day in England. Tom, how are you, mate? Yeah, very well. Very summer, summery. Yeah, yeah, it's all good. Summery, and the cocktail reflects this, I should say. Does it? What are you drinking? I am drinking a summer fruit rosé cocktail. Ooh. Rosé is something I drink a lot of in the summer, and we've drunk a lot of in the past. I use a, one of my favorites, which is a peak rock rosé. It's, it's simple syrup. Strawberries, rosé, vodka, elderflower liqueur, lemon juice, and a little bit of mint to garnish it with. Wow. So wait a second. It's, this is a proper cocktail. It's proper cocktail. It's a grown-up cocktail. And it's really, um, it's also, weirdly, as my girlfriend says, it's a similar colour to my skin. So many of the cocktails are, in fact, a similar colour to your skin, Tom. As in a sort of pink, red, orange you know, the sort of many hues of a Cosmo. But, it, uh, but if you ever get a fat thing is you can get too, you can drink too much rosé in the summer if it's too hot. You can just keep drinking it. Um, and it's a good way just to, you know, to put a bit of variety on it, really. I mean, effectively just make it stronger, which is probably not I'm great. Say, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of jealous. We're also going through, you know, the classic New York heat wave summer moment where, you know, only like a week and a half ago, it was literally freezing sort of especially up in the Catskills where we are in, in upstate New York properly cold and that now out of within a few days it's been in the 90s which you know if anyone in the UK and what have you were closing on 30 degrees Celsius up here oh, swelteringly wow. hot really boiling so I decided to go with something very very simple um a Ricky right so a I'm actually drinking a gin Ricky now it's you know one could argue it's not a cocktail but essentially it is gin and i've used an old tom gin it's called tomcat gin by bar hill uh which is a, a new gin I'm, i've been trying and it's rather fun it, they, it has the, the sort of color of a whiskey because they uh you know keep it in old oak casks uh american oak casks for about a four-year period and then they actually put honey in it raw honey in the gin so, which actually offsets the juniper quite nicely and gives it a slight sweetness, which I, I quite like. And it's something I've been getting into recently as I've been getting into gins in the past year. And then these old Tomcat gins are kind of fun and a little different. Uh, and for those of you who are a bit more adventurous with your gins and I'm sort of bored of the London dries, I recommend it highly. But a Ricky is kind of an interesting drink because essentially it is either gin or bourbon or some liquor with soda water. And then a citrus. That is basically what a Ricky is. So it's 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 very 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 simple indeed. But it's been around since the 1880s, and it was first brought about by uh, a guy called Colonel Ricky, Colonel Joe Ricky, uh, who in, in DC, who pretty much liked to dilute his drinks and didn't like too much sugar in his drinks, and eventually asked his bartender to add some lime to his bourbon and club soda. And it became known as the Ricky and became very, very popular. In fact, one of the most popular drinks. And then it got, it, eventually people started making their own Rickies. And the gin overtook the bourbon as this gin Ricky is what I'm drinking right now. And if you remember in the Great Gatsby, 
uh, Buchanan in the book actually serves his guests gin rickies. So it's been around for a very long time, has quite a good provenance, uh, and is very re- refreshing. And so that's exactly what I'm drinking right now. Cheers, my friend. Oh, cheers. And they look suitably similar. They do, don't they? They do. Mine's looking a little pink in this camera light. It's actually more of the sort of orangey colour, but it looks pink. Mm. Chin, chin, my friend. So, on to mm. a bit of booze news. Oh, that's good. Now, mine's really, really good. I tell you, I can't recommend I'm going to get you know something. That's one of the better cocktails I've had. Sorry. So, well, there you go, people. Booze news today. Tom has just had one of the better cocktails he's ever had. He did, he did actually yeah. warn me that he had some good booze news, and that's it. Because coming from a man who pretty much is 100% proof himself, knowing that he's now actually had the best cocktail ever, that's news. No, my booze news is quite different. My booze news is to deal with a distillery in Scotland, Grant's Whiskey Distillery, German in Scotland, who have taken a new member of staff on board in this form of a spaniel. Woof, woof. Woof, woof. Called Rocco, who is one-year-old, cocker spaniel. He lives in the distillery, and his job is to sniff out the quality of the wooden casks at the cooperage. So... There you go. He basically he also has the run of the distillery, so he can pick up the scent on anything that needs tending to regarding the whiskey. And he's trained to, you know, if something smells wrong, it gets reported to Grant, you're going to like this, to Grant's associate global brand director, who is called Chris Wolf. <laughs> Look at the cover there. <laughs> I don't, I still, I, this isn't, I don't think this is an April Fool's either, because it's obviously not April. But, you know, what they're saying is it's a natural, it's a natural material, distilling a whiskey, it's an organic process. So, you know, it, 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 the job of the distillery is to make sure that everything is perfect as the whiskey agent in the oak cask, and the sense of smell of a dog like Rocco is 40 times stronger than a human. So they've specially selected and trained Rocco to pick up the scent of anything that's not quite right as the whiskey matures. I mean, uh, they say the mechanical noses are widely used in the winemaking industry, but we, you know, but they wanted to maintain the tradition of the craft skills by using a dog's natural super sense of smell in our quality control process. It's a fantastic time. I just, you know, if anyone gets any dog hair in their whiskey, then you know why. And um, let's just hope he hasn't cocked his leg on any of those barrels. That's exactly what it is. That is the problem. But as long as it's the outside, it's fine. But um, he lives in a kennel at the distillery and he's on call night and day. And they have very strict rules about the people working there. So he's had a terrific effect on the, um, on the, on the kind of the feeling of, uh, you know, the, um, the uh, what's the word, you know, the, the, the morale. Um, morale of the people working there. You're not seeing him, but they're not really allowed to give, they're not allowed to sort of get involved with him when he's running around because he's actually doing the proper job. Quite right too. So once again a barker has come to the rescue in the there we go. Love there it. We go. Perfect. How hilarious is that? Well, I I'll leave it at that, people. Here you go. Get yourself a sniffer dog. They're far better off sniffing out whiskey than they are drugs in your overnight bag, right Tom? Anyway. <laughs> Moving on, <laughs> we have a wonderful guest today who's going to give us all kinds of tips and bits of advice because <clears throat> when it comes to dating, I believe Tom needs some help. Our guest today rose to fame after starring in the 21st season of ABC's The Bachelor, has appeared in Dancing with the Stars, is the founder of Natural Habits Essential Oils, and more importantly, has a much more successful podcast than ours, Tom, where he dishes out dating advice and discusses relationships in his show called The Vial Files. Please welcome Nick Vial. Nick, how are you, buddy? 
I'm so great. So great to be with you guys. Thank you. What a, what a pleasure. And what are you drinking, mate? Uh, well, usually a, a, a whiskey on the rocks, but I, I, I didn't pour myself a, a drink. Usually. I mean, it's hey. In the afternoon. It's, it's, it's two, you know. It's two o'clock. This is not, this is called the Shaken and Stirred show. It is not called the I'm not having a drink show and I'm going to have a drink later. What is going on? I, I left it in the kitchen. I can go grab it. I can go, have grab. To go grab it. Go, Nick. Go on, All Nick. right. I'll be Come right on. back. All right. Give me a moment. Unbelievable. I'm not having a drink. How, how could we not be drinking? It's two o'clock. <laughs> it's five o'clock somewhere, Nick. I think I had my first glass of rosé at four o'clock this afternoon. Which is the reason, by the way, you are beginning to look like a rosé. It's not because of just the simple color. It's no, because of the consumption. All right, cheers. All right. Yeah, we got the sun coming in this way. We got the light over here. You know, I was just saying we're all over the world. So Tom is in the UK right now. He's in Oxford. Cheers, by the way. I saw cheers. you. I like your glass. Cheers, cheers. Um, I'm in New York and you're in Los Angeles. So we're, we are basically all around the world right now. So our motto on the Shaken and Stirred show is, is that it is, of course, five o'clock somewhere. Now, so regardless, now, look, let's jump right into your life, Nick, a little bit. Before we get to your podcast and your sort of relationships and all of that kind of business, because you talk about that a lot in your in, in, in your own public life. Otherwise, normally I wouldn't get into your relationship. That's uh, it's okay. <laughs> well, and, and, and the reason we want to talk to you about your podcast is, as I just said, it's much more successful than ours. We, we can do this all for no time. We so, need to you know, that, Tom. Tips, tips would be great. Well, I mean, clearly talking about your relationships, Tom, really helps. But anyway, let's let's dig into your life, Nick. You. Where, where were you born? What was your childhood like a little bit? Give us a little bit of a background. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, uh, Midwest. And uh, I, I come from, I'm one of 11 kids. 11? Wow. Yeah, so wow. I'm the second oldest of 11. So, you know, at date, my, my parents just kept kind of popping them out. My mom had the youngest when I was 25. Uh, I'm six months closer in age to my father than I am to my youngest sister. Uh, and there's uh, six six women, six girls, so five boys in the family, and um, yeah, I'm the, I'm the second oldest, so it's a large family. It's um, it was there was something fun. wrong with you? Were they were they trying to hopefully get better and better as they went I along? Prob- probably. I, I tell myself it was you know they they hit a home run with me and just kept trying to duplicate it and couldn't get it right again and kept doing okay. it. But you're you're probably right. I, I lie to myself all the time. Um, but uh, yeah, I, you know, pretty you know, Catholic conservative household. And, uh, uh, my parents have done a good job. We've, uh, I think some of the older ones have, uh, kind of expanded their minds on a more progressive kind of world a little bit. And I think that's kind of the beauty of our family is that, uh, my, my parents invested so much of their lives into their kids. And, um, you know, we've, we've really opened up their life to kind of all different sorts of uh, lifestyles and people. I was actually just in Mexico for my cousin's wedding uh, with my parents and my girlfriend. It was my parents' first time in Mexico ever. Uh, so that that's pretty fun because you know my my parents gave up so much of their life for their for, for their children, and um, so that's a little bit of my childhood. I had a pretty traditional, you know, played a lot of sports, uh, you know, growing up, and you know, went to college, uni- university, and um, found my way in, into this world. 
Well, that was the, the fastest um, sort of speed through someone's childhood I think I've ever heard. I mean, well, you by can the do way, a deep dive. I mean, yeah. no, 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 I'm going. I'm going. I'm, I'm headed right there right now. By the way, because I'm, I'm just curious. Because you just mentioned eleven children and sort of, and then acted as if you know oh, my parents were they're fantastic. And okay, look, I get it. I come from a family of six kids. That's um, big, yeah. Which I thought was big. I mean, you've pretty much doubled me right there, right? Meanwhile, and I bless my parents' soul, it's very hard with six kids. I mean, I've got two of my own, and it's pretty tough to keep your eye on them. You, are you telling me that your parents were able to really make every one of you 11 feel extra special or, or, or loved or careful? I mean, my parents had no idea if I was there or not there half the time. And, you know, I was basically like, they would, they would call the names, and I would be, the dog's name would come before mine, put it that way. Yeah, I, it's funny. I actually just got off the phone with my sister, and we were talking a, a little bit about this. Um, you know, I, I, I'm me and her are one of the older ones, and uh, we were pretty blessed to you know get plenty of attention. I do know my parents were were great in the sense that it was such a priority for them. I I can't speak for all of my siblings, and if they felt like that that attention was received as equally, and you know, as every family has, they have their drama and different of opinions. But my parents truly sacrificed. Uh, they made their whole life about their kids and, and, you know, go into soccer or baseball or football games or whatever. And um, I don't know how everyone felt, but I do know that my parents made a concerted effort. And, um, yeah, I was pretty lucky. I think to we have. just got a glimpse at the truth there, Tom. I think that actually Nick, in fact, was the squeaky wheel and uh, got all the attention and he quite he kind of I, I'm definitely my mom's favorite yeah you see you see what did I just say? I just told you I, I I knew it I nailed it mom's fave and he alluded to the fact I can't speak for my brothers and sisters I don't know what they felt like meanwhile all was good with the you know the glowing son the second eldest fantastic by the way is the eldest the daughter yes I knew that as well you know why because your son and she was happy because she had a boy and she loved and she was all crazy about it. And, yeah, it's all coming out now. You see, this yeah. is it. Now, yeah, that, 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 that first son and, and mom's relationship always uh, My hard, hard to beat. It's hard to beat. You fell in love all over again. That's what happened. So I, that, now it all comes back to your relationships. I so be flash forward. Okay. Okay. Obviously, I, I don't want to go. I don't, I'm not even interested actually in Bachelor, Bachelor Nation, all this stuff. I, and I'm familiar with it. And obviously, there's so many people who have been involved with the franchise. My career has been in reality television, as you probably know. I've been around that part of the, that world a lot. But I'm curious as well, because having sort of just started with that sort of personal family relationship dynamic, what got you, what made you think, okay, I want to go on to sort of a, in a televised way and talk about relationships or broadcast my life, especially when you talk about coming from a Catholic conservative yeah. type background. I'm just curious as to that play. It was a bit fortuitous. Uh, I was, you know, uh, working in software. I sold software for a living and I was, uh, I quite liked my job and my, uh, my, all my, I'm from being from the Midwest. You're, you know, people tend to get married and settle down, you know, in their twenties. And, uh, uh, I was dating a, a girl at the time and we broke up and, uh, all, and we had like a group of friends, right. And they, everyone was dating and, and we broke up and everyone else got married. And, um, I just kind of, the ended up moving to Chicago. And then, you know, my buddy's friend is a big fan of the show and, uh, she decided to sign me up without me knowing. And, and when I got a call, I was just like, nah, I don't want to, you know, I'm not going to do it. But I was really just curious about the process. And so I 
I went through the casting process more just like, well, I don't, I'm not going to do this show, but like, I, what is this like? You know, what, just the, the experience of going and, and I didn't, I didn't know what it meant to be a producer or a TV show, but throughout the process, I, I realized like I met them and I was like, I think these, I think these people are going to ask me to go on this thing, you know? Um, and so I started telling people at work and to my surprise, uh, they were, Every, the people I worked with were very supportive in a sense that like, you know, you, we like you, but this is a, a unique opportunity. So go do it and we'll figure out the rest later. And it wasn't so much about relationships or dating or, or kind of being a, a, like a, just open about it. It was more like, this is such a unique experience. I don't know what it's going to bring, but I think it would be silly to say no to, especially being lucky enough to have, uh, you know, people around me kind of supporting it and, 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 uh, having me figure it out. And then the rest is kind of history in the sense that once I was in that environment, I just kind of had this, you know, like, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to go for it. You know, there's no point in doing something and, and half-assing it or, or not embracing the moment. And it's, it's a really bizarre kind of social experiment. And, um, yeah. And then, so once I was in it, I just kind of, you know, I was a bit of a skeptic. I'm a realist, but uh, I was going to be open to whatever it was. And, and I just kind of embraced that kind of atmosphere. And that's kind of how it all played out. So it wasn't necessarily planned as much as uh, me trying to just uh, enjoy the experience. Up until that point, I had a pretty boring, you know, like fine. It was, you know, Midwest life and, and worked and I had my friends and it was my first kind of exposure to a world outside of the very nice and pleasant kind of Midwest lifestyle. I mean, it's it's definitely interesting when you look at sort of just reality television as a genre. You know, whereas you know, people have people everywhere, all over the all over the world, but certainly all over this country, have a fascination with celebrity and with fame and with access to what that life might be like, and therefore these shows create every season a whole new slew of yeah. names and faces and everything else and people that go along with it. Um, what do you think, what do you think is, is the, is the fascination with relationships and the, the broad broadcast of them, the sort of pub that make them the sort of public relationships? Yeah, that- I, think, I think that's a great question. I, I think what it is, is that it's, it's kind of a universal language of relatability, you know, especially when it comes to social media and TV everyone wants to be relatable. Everyone wants to connect with people and it doesn't matter you know, man, woman, gay, straight, you know, uh, whoever you are, you, you want to connect and love and you want to have relationships of some kind. And so it's pretty nice. And, and, and love will really fuck you up. It will really mess you up. It, it's, uh, it'll make you vulnerable. It'll like, expose your ego and, and all these things. And so I think when people see other people uh, share those vulnerabilities, uh, they might be quick to judge, but at the same time, I think it's a comforting feeling um, because while we might not be honest with ourselves about, um, you know, our experiences, uh, I think we all relate. I, you know, I don't know if you guys have ever seen the movie Swingers, um, classic movie, sure. and I kind of call it that the, the the John Favreau moment. You know that when he's, you know, leaving that girl the voicemail over and over, and he just like he know like he's like he, he's having an out of body experience. Like he knows this is a terrible idea. He knows it's a nightmare, but he can't help himself. And I think you know, love and relationships can do that to us. And it's a very vulnerable state. And I think it's something everyone can relate to. Um, so I think that's where it comes from. You, you mentioned swingers. Um, is that still like, you know, what, what is the modern term for the, for the term swinging? 
Is it still swinging? Is there something I think else? it's still swinging. Um, you know, there's polyamorous now. There, you know, just open relationships. It's it's like everything else. You know, it's 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 broadening. It's kind of non-traditional. I just call it. If Nige if Nige is interested in it, what's it, what is the current word that he needs to put into Google? I think that was the question you're trying to get at. I think, I think non-traditional is a safe way. You just can't. You know. <laughs> Non-traditional. That yeah. can lead to all kinds of things. Exactly. Yeah. No, 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 no. It's not, and not at all what I meant was. I was much more, much more conservative in my in my you know, understanding of the word. But I'm curious. I mean, it's one of those things where you know, this is one of the things that I, I thought I sort of find fascinating. I mean, I've been married now for 22 years. Been with my wife 26 and a half, 27 years. So in a long-term relationship, you know, we met pre you know anything right pre phone cell phones even they weren't even around we you know we were uh, you know you laugh but seriously we didn't have cell phones that's how long ago that was and recently I mean, there was certainly no social media there was none nothing like that there was reality television had to happen right so this is mid 90s uh, you know so really early on um right when pretty much even the internet was starting up you know so at a, at a very very early age but early stage and when you look at relationships now and you look at things like television shows like what you have been on or just dating apps and what have you and how people meet one another it's it's radically changed so I, i'm you know i'm curious you know you're in a, a relationship right now i know i've seen it all over the the press a beautiful girl natalie joy um how did you guys meet uh the old the uh, very romantic story of her uh sliding into my dms and um you know, Slide, sl her sliding into your DMs. As, you as they said, she messaged me on, on Instagram and, um, you know, shot her shot and went for it. Caught my, caught my attention. See, so, so basically it's its own dating app in its own way, right? Through yeah, absolutely. I, you know, a lot of people will, you know, a lot of people say, oh, I don't want to meet on a dating app or sliding, you know, I, sliding a DM, you know, technology changes the world. And, you know, as you referenced back in your day, and you know, even I remember a world without cell phones and social media. And I used to pass notes in high school, and that's what it is. Like it's just a way to like you pass a note, or you send someone a love letter, and that's. I think that's you know, social media has changed that. Where now we're just messaging people on the internet, and and hopefully they respond and, and putting ourselves out there that way. So I mean, okay, look, you you have let's get straight to it. You have this very successful podcast, VR Files. And, you know, you give dating advice, you talk about relationships. I mean, I don't know enough about your exact background, but what gives you the sort of, I guess, the, the, the soapbox to really give advice in this realm? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's funny. People always say, I, you know, I, it's one of those things. I, I, I just started being the friend that people would come to for advice. You know, a lot of, and I say, like, I'm not, I don't call myself an expert. I, I'm very, very I repeat that regularly because I don't have a doctorate in it. I'm not a therapist. I often refer to people. It's just like, I don't, I don't know the specifics here. Uh, and I've thought about that a lot. And I think, you know, what I've, I don't give any advice about an experience I've never had my own. You know, every advice I get is something I either, either got wrong or experienced at some point in my life. So when uh, you were talking to me earlier about swinging, then, then that was because anyway, we'll go on. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. But, uh, or just kind of, I've also, I, I operate on the premise that, uh, the greatest liar we'll ever meet in our life is ourselves. Right. I just kind of realized that, you know, and, and like little lies, we tell ourselves our egos and our egos have a way of tricking us and convincing ourselves we want things. Right. And we're, we're so quick to, uh, say what we want, but we don't really follow through. And that might be like, oh, I want to get in shape or be healthier while we're and, and then like five minutes later, we 
we hit the, the snack bar or whatever. And so I'm just, I just gotten really good at kind of spotting the lies, so to speak. And all I really do when people, you know, reach out or tell their stories is I just kind of listen for those kind of disqualifiers. When people say like, well, I don't really like him, right? We, of course you like him, right? Your, your, your ego is afraid to hear the truth. And there, you know, we, I think we do that a lot. And I think uh, we just have to get better at uh, being honest with ourselves about, you know, our, you know, what we want and what we don't want, what we're afraid to have happen. And the more honest with we are with ourselves about, you know, our vulnerabilities and what scare us, um, that can kind of really, you can see the forest through the, through the trees, so to speak. And so that's just something I've been good at. And I just try to position myself to be kind of your, your, your best friend or your older brother who you'd go to for advice. And you're welcome to disagree. I never qualify myself as the expert. I'm, I'm just the guy who might offer some advice and you're welcome to take it. And, and people seem to find it healthy and helpful. And I am proud to say that I often get the uh, uh, occasional therapist week to week who will reach out to me and, and say I do a good job and validate. But I'm very careful about saying things that I don't know or, or claim to you know have context about things I haven't learned. And again, a lot of it just comes down to spotting the lies we tell ourselves. Amazing. I mean, first of all, you do a better job than us then because we say all kinds of lies on this show that we have no way of backing up and no proof for. And we act like complete experts when we have no idea what we're talking about. It's absolute, uh, absolute bollocks. I've never said anything that I didn't. I've never lied. I've never lied on this show in my life. And also, by the way, Nick, sorry, do you mind if I just quickly interrupt you? Because it's all well and good for knives to sit there and go, what gives you the soapbox to like be the guy to, you know? I mean, if coming from a judge on a program called America's Next Top Model, when he was basically a freaking clothes horse, I mean, I mean, albeit, you know, a successful and very well sought after fashion photographer, we, we, we will say, I'll give him a bit of credit for that. But I mean, to be a judge on, a, on, a, on America's Next Top Model, you know, maybe could you, uh, maybe, I don't know if it's more appropriate for me to ask him now, just flip this one onto him quickly, just so, you know, just so we even it out a bit. I'm just feeling oh, yeah. a little bit like, yeah, it's okay. I mean, to be honest, like uh, I watched you know, my girlfriend was a back in the day was a big fan of Next Top Model, and I I, I kind of always had a man crush on, on Nigel. So uh, <laughs> I don't mean to gas you up and, and make you feel uncomfortable, but like you know, a good looking guy he wears a nice shaved head, always fashionable. I was like, that guy's is cool, you know. Oh. Sorry, Tom. There you go, man crush. We're going. We're going straight poly right here, right now. It's just. It's this kind of. I know we have the swinging thing, and now we're doing this. It's, isn't there some sort of like podcast Hippocratic oath type thing where you're not allowed to fall in love with your whatever it is, your host or your or your. But or when, your you're both, when you're both hosts of a podcast, you can. It cancels. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, you know, it's like a. You know, we we know. That we're on the inside. Yeah, and I particularly, I actually literally, he, I, he, his podcast slid into my podcasts. Um, set this up. And actually, this is kind of like a love triangle that's happening right now, right, Tom? Really, really yeah. unfortunate way to say it. But yeah. yeah. Very unfortunate, but it, it is true. Look, moving on, because there's nothing that qualifies me to be a judge on America's Next Top Model uh, other than the fact that, hey, you know what? Uh, it, it pays to have an English accent, and that's pretty much the only thing that you need to be a judge on any American reality show. Respectfully, Nigel, I disagree, because what you are good at is having a strong opinion that you're able to convince others is true, and that is the key to a good well, podcaster. Well, is while he's lying. Whilst lying. Whilst lying. Well, as George Costanza would say, if you believe it, it's not a lie. Exactly. And I agree with that. 
I want to know what makes you happy, Nick. What do you look for in a relationship? Apart from, apart from knives. Yeah, apart from- uh, that and, and swinging and all that, that stuff. Um, it sounds corny, but people like uh, say, you know, you want to date someone who, you know, makes you your truest self or whatever. And I don't think anyone can make you anything than who you are. But, um, you know, I'm lucky enough to be in a really great relationship with, with my girlfriend, Natalie. And you know, I have a lot of bad habits. I have a lot of neurotic behaviors and I'm in my head. And, you know, you know, you, I was you know, hanging out with a lot of family this weekend. And when you hang out with your parents and your, your un- older uncles as an adult, you, you see them differently than you saw them as a kid. And you're just like, man, like, that's where I get that bad habit from or that bad. It's just like, Oh man. And you know, like I have my good days and bad days, but I'm, I'm with someone who I feel lucky enough to have. And I, I find myself a comfortable with being who I am and, and, you know, and not have her judge me, but also open the possibility that I, I want to hear her feedback. And I, I want to do a better job. I want to, I truly want to be my best self around her. Right. And which I don't, I don't know, like there's a lot of people and I don't give a fuck what you think. Like I'm just going to do me. And with her, it's just like, I got a good thing here. And the, when, when she gives me feedback, it's, it comes from a place of, of love or believing in me and being a cheerleader as opposed to I've been in relationships and, and I've been that person too, where it's, it, it, it's a it's a poke in the beard bear it's a you know like it's a nag or it's a it's a comes from a place of criticism or i've been in relationships where i'm like i'm competing with you all the time you know it's it's a you're kind of you're kind of one-upping each other and and so yeah just that combination of feeling like i can just be my weird neurotic truest self and, and still feel her love while simultaneously being motivated to you know you know really want to like make her happy or, you know, we're at the wedding and I know she wanted to dance and sometimes I want to dance and sometimes I don't, but I'm like, I want to show her a good time. I want her to, you know, have, and it was, it, it feels good to, to feel that way. And so uh, a little bit of, of that. Are you okay when she dances with somebody else? Oh uh, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I'm not, I, I talk about a lot of this on uh, my podcast, but you know, obviously jealousy is a, is a big topic when it comes to relationships and, you know, jealousy just comes from an insecurity, right? You know, so that insecurity could be some some sort of trauma you experienced when you were younger, or or maybe a past relationship you had kind of messed you up, or maybe it's an, in, an insecurity that's present in the relationship. Your 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 partner's doing something that's just like it just it's like a red flag. You're just like, ah, I'm just really insecure. And so, you know, so far we do a good job of. I feel like, um, you know. I don't have any questions about her feelings towards me and vice versa. And if I do, you know, I'm not generally an insecure or jealous person, but I recognize that if I ever feel jealousy, I'm certainly capable of feeling it, that I just try to figure out what it is that's making me feel jealous. And so, you know, I was, if a guy wants to buy Natalie a drink, great, you know, like that saves me eight bucks. Right. And I'm, I'm confident that I still know where she's going and then she's going to walk back to me or whatever. But if I ever felt like, you know, maybe she's more interested in, you know, anything but the drink, I might be upset. So it really comes down to your trust in that person or your confidence in yourself. So, we'll so there you go. Wow. And there's buying some, you know, buying another girl a drink, buy someone else buying your girl a drink. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I guess that, that, that happens. It doesn't happen. I'm, I'm completely with you on that. Generally in relationships, if you've got like, if I, I don't know from my experience, if you're, 
if you've got an issue with a sort of jealousy thing or a, whatever, I, and jealousy, I think, is one of the most poisonous. I mean, it's one of the, one of the most, it's yeah. just one of the most toxic emotions. But quite, I find quite often that if, if, you, if, 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 you're, if you're in a scenario where, where the relationship isn't going very well and the other person's actually not that as, as attentive as you are, you know, it's generally your jealousy is quite often kind of just sort of literally a kind of, it's, um, it's like a, um, what's it called? You know, when the transference, it's like a transference thing to, to, to the fact that, you know, um, there's something fundamentally wrong in a relationship anyway. I mean, I feel very much the same way. Yeah. Um, about jealousy. I can't stand jealousy. I think it's like, it's, and I just don't do it. I just don't do jealousy. And frankly, it's like, if I ever, if personally, if I ever felt kind of like, ooh, I don't like that, I'd be like, is there a problem? I'd literally confront the situation. I'd head on and go, is there an issue here? If there is, listen, no problem at all. That You know, I don't mind going back home on my own. I mean, I couldn't care less. But what I do mind is what I don't, is, is that jealousy feeling. It's just not, a, it's just, a, it's, it's a horrible yeah, I mean, if you're going to start, if you start a relationship and right off the bat, you know, your partner's yeah. Yeah. super jealous and, and you're just like, hey, I, I, I'm just trying my best. I'm like, I'm showing up and I'm giving them attention, but yet they're still jealous and I'm, well, then yeah. that person clearly has some insecurities from yeah. their past, right? And there's really, and, and that's a huge red flag, but there, you, you will be, you'll be constantly fighting that battle and it'll be nothing you can do about it because it's not you. You're, like, you're not, you're not a reason they're insecure and you can't fix that insecurity. They, they can only do that. Right. And so, and so if nobody's listening to your podcast and was hearing your comments by Nigel, totally fine with that. <laughs> nice one, Tom. I, I'd like to, is, is, do people get off on jealousy? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. It can the, be like, the, the oh, it's, um, it's a, you know, it's stimulation, right? I, uh, you know, our brain desires stimulation, you know, more than they even like boredom. The brain prefers pain to boredom. It would rather feel something than nothing, even if that something is jealousy or pain or whatever. And, and yeah, you can, you can use jealousy or people's insecurities to control them. And people often get off on, on control and power. Wow. We're going to move on to pain later. But before we get there, um, <laughs> I don't know how we get to these subjects, Tom. I don't know how one thing leads to another. But before we know it, Nick's talking about pain. Um, I want to talk about dating, though, before we get anywhere any further, because I, I, I kind of feel like there must be some great sort of dating stories, one that you've come across, but two personally for you. Have you do you have a worst dating experience? Yeah, I mean, uh, one that always comes to mind is I was, this was a long time ago in my early 20s, and I was, I was going through a breakup, and we had been broken up for a few months, and it was a breakup that I just, I, I didn't want to get over, you know, in a sense. You know, I, I, at the time, I thought I couldn't get over, and in reality, I just didn't want to get over. And um, I went on a date with a, a waitress that my sister worked with, and it was this. I was in a bad state of mind. We had nothing in common, and I had to like drive forty-five minutes to pick her up, and then drive downtown, and like there was no conversation. And it was just, I only like nothing specific or horrible happened. It was just one of those things that like stuck with me because I just wanted to like get over this like sadness, and yet I I, I ended up like jumped through all these hoops to go on this date with this, with this girl that was just kind of weird and awkward. And like, just, it's like she had never been on a date before. And I was just like, if this is what dating's like, I'm just, 
I'm giving up, man. And I, it just like was one of those moments where, and it always usually happens that way, right? You just, you're just, you, you're, you're trying so hard and you force the issue and you're, and um, it ends up backfiring and kind of sets you back. And so I kind of remember that. And I, I, I just, it's more just, it's all perspective, you know, however you want to see it. And if you want to tell yourself, Oh, I, I'm not going to have a good time or I can't get over something and you probably won't, you know, and, and that was a, a big learning opportunity for me to just try to change my mindset. So there you go. Well, that's pretty deep, even in itself back at that age. I mean, I can tell you that personally, my, if I have one sort of, I have several bad dating experiences, but I think one, which is probably the funniest one in a nutshell and, and people beware what you do. I was on what was meant to be a date with Chrissy, who's my wife now. Uh, and it was a you know, girl that I was chasing at the time. She has an identical twin sister uh, called Kimmy. And we were living in Italy and they were both models and they decided to go on a safe date with, with me uh, and took four of their friends with them. So it was me and six girls, all models going for a date in the daytime. We went to have a picnic in the park in Milan. We're sitting there. I'm literally feel like I'm holding court. I was in my, at that point myself, a young man. I was quite well built. I'd taken my shirt off. I was hanging out. We were just sitting in the park, taking some sun. We were chatting. Everyone's sitting around. We had some wine. We were talking. And by the way, back then I used to have long hair that came down to my shoulders, very Fabio-esque. Sure. I leant back. And unfortunately in Milan, they don't really, you know, take care of their animals and what have you in the right way. And I remember I just didn't think much of it. And I was talking to them and I used to constantly put my hand through my hair and I put my hand through my hair. And as I did so, these girls' eyes looked and I went, and they were looked at me like horror stricken with their face. And I went, what, what? And I went like this with my hand and I could smell yes. this rancid, rancid dog turd all over my face all in my hair, and I then went on my body, and I had basically leant back, put my hand into a dog turd, and put it throughout my hair, and was covered in shit on my very first date. And looking at this girl who I'd been trying to have a date with, and they had safely done it in front of six girls. And I, I luckily there was a fountain not too far with water coming out of it in Italy. We're in Italy, there's fountains freaking everywhere. I ran up to the fountain, I washed my hair, washed my body, and we had to go, I had there was shit and everything. We had to leave anyway. So Chrissy, very sweetly, was wearing a sheer butterfly crop top um, in chiffon over her T-shirt. She took it off. And for some godforsaken reason, I thought I'd put it on. So I actually wore it and then walked home in it. Now, that, guys, is possibly the worst date ever <laughs> as far as disaster. <laughs> except for the fact that my wife will tell you that she actually had a soft spot for me after yeah, that. That's what I was about to say. Think about the dynamics. I mean, she, at first, she didn't trust you enough to go on a date with at least one friend. She needed to bring a whole army for her, for her comfort level. My reputation went before me. What yeah, can I say? Like, you know, you're this big bravado, beautiful guy. You used to, and, and it, it really, she probably saw you like before she just probably saw you as like, Oh, he probably thinks he can, you know, do all this or do all that. And, and it humanized you. And, and it sounds like my, what probably won her over is my gut. I'm just guessing here is that you probably handled it in a way that, you know, that, that made you normal and, and trusting. And like, you know, people always are like, how are you at your worst, man? And that's how you really can tell, you know, someone is safe to be around. And are you what you're saying is, is that ultimately the fact that I rub shit through my hair actually 
could be the reason why I'm married to this, my wife right now is because she's I humanized. I never really, you know, I've never really thought of it. But like I'm getting how, Nick, I'm getting Nick Vial. It's how you, it's how you reacted to rubbing shit in your hair. Not that you yeah. did it. It's it's how you responded to it. And if she, she she saw a guy, she's like, he can rub shit in his hair, and I cry and, and shriek. Yeah, and and, and he'll be okay, and he won't he won't you know whatever you didn't do or did do, you did it just right to make her feel comfortable around you. Oh. It was a bit when you said mummy, I would need my mummy. I think that was the fun, that was the final thing that just broke camel's back. Yeah. <laughs> mummy? No, actually, I didn't say mummy. I actually cried for nanny. Nanny. <laughs> now, if you actually did that, you might have not be married to her today. You know, if you... where's nanny? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a great story that's a great i had one other embarrassing moment as i did i i went i was new to a city and just trying to meet people and i went on on like three or four dates and i had this quick coffee date and it just wasn't vibing well and like a month later i ended up at a party and it was low lit and whatever and 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 i walked up to you know i met a group of people and i introduced myself and introduced myself to a girl i had coffee with on a date like a a month earlier and I, I and it was around other people and I, I really embarrassed myself uh doing that so that 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 wasn't actually on the date but as a result of a date and so i did not feel my best self there no no for sure well listen what what is the best date you've ever been on then what, what do you recommend as, as far as like people taking on people on dates is there like a a sort of a a, a right way to do it do you think yeah, I mean, you. I think you want to be comfortable where you can be yourself. And if 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 a date is for the purpose of getting to know someone, I, I, and it's just me, I, I like to be on places where I can comfortably have a conversation, right? So it just depends. If you're a conversationalist, you're going to want to like, you know, you just where you, can, you go to a park and talk, you know. If you're someone who like struggles with that, like maybe you want some sort of activity, like you know, people like to go bowl or mini golf because you can do an activity. And you can talk about the thing you're doing and then mix it in with like things you actually want to learn. Right. You know, like I don't go, I don't get why people uh, go to movies or things like that. And sometimes, you know, people will put too much pressure on themselves. Like I, I find like, uh, like for, for first dates, like a whole meal, like, you know, a restaurant and then there's this appetizer, there's a lot of pressure because you're just sitting there and you're eating and you know, you have to be, worrying about like your manners and things like that. And uh, I, I think it's just all about trying to be as comfortable as you are and then asking questions, you know, like people, I think people are like, they lo- I don't want it to be an interview. It's just like, well, it's kind of the point, you know, you just yes, ask questions and, and try to be interested in, and hopefully they ask questions back. You know, it, it's funny when I, I, you know, again, just you can only reference what you've experienced in life, but is there certain things, certain say no nos on first dates? You know, as far as you recommend for, for a successful relationship, like if you actually like the girl, things yeah, that you couldn't do. Don't talk about yourself that much. Let them ask questions. You know, answer their questions. Show an interest in them. Ask them questions and ask follow up questions. They're like, well, what do you do for work? They tell you. Do you like that? Do you want to keep doing that? What else do you like to do? You know, like. I think people get nervous and they talk a lot about themselves, right? And it just, you know, you you really run the risk of of sounding, you know, narcissistic or into yourself or disinterested in them. And most of the time it's just people get nervous, right? And take the pressure off yourself by just simply asking questions and not necessarily an interview, just show an actual interest, you know? 
whatever the question is like hey man i love your shirt where'd you get it like i don't know is your favorite color blue it doesn't really matter oh or yeah. talk about yourself if you think you're fucking great. And if they're not interested, then, you know, it's a fucking wrong day. You know you're dating the wrong person, right? I mean, seriously. Yeah, that's the other- I, if, I feel I, like if Nigel would have shown up to that date and only talked about himself, he would not be a married man with kids today. With- he didn't need to. He was the only guy there with, like, the hair. And the- what, I should have, what I should have noticed, though, is when I first met Chrissy, right, when I literally, the very first time I met her, I had been, first of all, I had kind of been given a heads up that she was there. My... Her agent had literally acted like a sort of a, a matchmaker for me. He'd told me that he'd met these beautiful girls in, in Miami and was bringing them over to Milan and that I would probably love them. So um, when I was in Milan, he's like, oh, they're coming to the agency. You should come in and meet them. And I came in and I remember literally seeing Chrissy and was like, oh, my God, this is the one for me. And true story that, by the way, that evening, I actually called my mother. And this is in 1994 and said, I've met this girl. I haven't even gone on a date. I ne- we haven't done anything. I've just met her, in a, and I'm I'm going to marry her. That's and my mom thought it was crazy, and it's, so that's a true story. But I, I didn't know what to say when I first saw her, and for some odd reason, the, the worst worst pickup line ever, which I now think, having this talk to you, might have been the best pickup line ever, was in fact that I had these horrible mosquito bites on my arm, and I mean revolting, massive, like allergic, swollen probably slightly cakey on top because I'd been scratching them and they'd been oozing. And I looked at her and, she, and I went, hi, how are, you, how are you doing? How are you doing in Milan and everything? She's like, oh, great. Da, da, da. And I was like, you've got to be careful of the mosquitoes this time of year. And then produced my arm as evidence with these huge bites on it. And this girl looked at my arm and then looked at me and said, oh, my God, well, that's fine. I'm from Alabama where, you know, we have mosquitoes that are that are worse than alligators and and then had some remedy for me and was actually very kind of nurturing and sweet and i was just the blood draining from my head thinking oh my god what have i just done showed the ugliest part of my of my entire body which is like this gnarly arm of mine why would i do that but um clearly these things work with girls uh yeah i mean i think it depends on you know who you are what your strengths are like it sounds like you are a a I think it sounds like, you know, in watching you on TV and I, you know, having my man crush on you, I probably people, I bet people meeting you when you were younger assumed, oh, he thinks he's all this or he's this tall, good looking guy. And in then the scene, you showed up, you're just like, hey, I'm kind of a nerd who gets bitten by mosquitoes. And I think that allowed her to be comfortable with you. Right. And so, like, that's the thing on first dates is like people are so nervous about being liked and then they, they don't act themselves and guys will like puff out their chest and try to be all macho. Meanwhile, and hang on, Nick, sorry, hang on, let's just dissect this just quickly, very quickly, because I we're supposed to be talking about you, not Nigel, anyway. But first thing is to show that these disgusting, this, this kind of fleshy, wounding arm, you know, go. The next thing is to rub dog shit in your head. That really, this isn't about puffing out your chest and like, you know, chatting the chest up like, this is not good, this is like, this is not good and then, to top it all, you know, if you, you your first date is about rubbing dog shit in your head, the surname like Barker, it's not like she's ever going to freaking forget it, is she? I mean, nope. she married the guy, and literally, she, clearly she must have been attracted to him, she liked other things about her, but my, whatever he did made her feel comfortable <laughs> want to get to know more, and it was interesting, and it was a story, and she, you, he laughed, and she's telling her friends, and it endeared, you know, I don't know, like, I wasn't there, but I'm, I'm only guessing here, but he's clearly married, and it, it worked out, and um, 
I think it's a great, I think it's a great story to tell people like if you just, if you can wow. be honest and be vulnerable at the risk of not being liked, it usually wins people over. So on that note then, first kiss, best kiss. What was the first, the best kiss you've had with someone on a first date or on a date situation? Have you had one that's been like, okay, wait a second. Well, this I, re- like the kiss. I remember kiss. my first kiss. My first, I was, a, I was like a seventh or eighth grade and I, her, her name was Leah. And I remember she was on a, it was on like on a street corner and you know, I was taller, she's shorter. She's standing on the curb. I'm standing on the street and, and we like, I don't know. I just went for it. We probably made out for like, you know, real, and it probably was really sloppy and ugly, but I remember it being great. And I remember sprinting home with excitement and it, I, I'll never forget. I, I never ran so fast in my life, just kind of pure energy. As far as best kiss, I mean, yeah, I think sometimes anything like that, the, you know, I tell you what, the, the street corner moves a good one. If you're, if you're a tall guy, you know, and, and you are trying to wait for that moment and you guys are cro- crossing a street and you step down on the street and you turn around and, and you're face to face, and you know maybe there's a, a nice moment there. I know anytime you like, oh, wait, wait, wait a second, you had that. That was planned. That was a whole planned thing. The well, step- that was my first guess. I tried to utilize that. Down and then turning around. That's like when someone walks by and then you put your gaze on where they're going to be, and then they walk through it. That's like yeah, that same thing. Exactly right. I don't know. I think anytime as a guy, I don't know what you guys think, but like it's always that weird. You're really nervous. You want to kiss her. You don't want to be weird or awkward, and you're just trying to find that real balance of putting yourself in a position where, you know, I don't know. And like anytime that goes right, I think you feel pretty good. I just try and share spaghetti and hope that we both get the same strand and go. Lady in the Tramp's a, a great, great, <laughs> a great plan. I've never actually had that. I feel like I would do a really bad job of that. I get spaghetti all over myself or. That's, that's basically my problem. I would have, I would have be on one end. I would probably sucked and put my face plant yeah, right I'd into Making like weird noises with food and, you know, yeah. You know. She would tell me she like has celiacs and can't eat gluten or something. Oh my god, that's hilarious! I remember actually. Like, this is a true story. Then on this one, um, first kiss with Chrissy in a bar with three girls. <laughs> I like this is a this is a theme, by the way. Um, it, and uh, I, I wanted to do a tequila body shot. Have you ever done those before? Uh, I, I yeah, a long time ago. So you, you know, you wet the neck with lime or with spit or whatever, and then you put some salt on your neck. You put the lime in your mouth. You have a tequila shot. And I said to her, "Do you want to do a tequila body shot?" In which she said no. And I was like, "Oh." And then I kind of look, and this other girl who was there, this other model, the tall girl called Celia, turned around and said, "I'll do one with you." And I was like, "Okay," because I and everyone was watching, and everyone knew that I liked Chrissy, but. This girl said, I'll do one with you. So she licked my neck, did the shot, took the tequila lime out of my mouth, you know, your lips touch. And then Chrissy immediately reacted. This is when jealousy does play a good part. And went, I'll do one. And so she put the lime in her mouth. We did the tequila body shot. And when I went to take the lime out of her mouth, she sucked it into her mouth. And I had to go digging with my tongue to get it out of her mouth. And that was our first kiss. That's a great moment. Yeah. Jealousy can work, people, is my is the moral of the story. It, it, it's you have to yeah. use it. And talk shit. <laughs> oh, my God. What are the warning signs of a bad date, in your opinion? Like awkward pauses, you know? I mean, real, like, if, if you're just struggling to talk, I don't know, like, you just, and that's okay. Bad dates are going to happen. You're going to have more bad dates than good ones. I, you know, I think, yeah, everyone's just like, oh, I hate dating, you know, 
I think one of the biggest mistakes people make is this idea that like date, there's like dating's not their end game. You know, finding your person or whatever you want to call it, your girl, your one and only, like that's your goal. And so like to do that, like dating is kind of like shopping around, you know, and you meet people, you get to know someone and, you know, if they're, if you have nothing to talk about and you don't really have any interests, um, I, I think that's a, uh, that's a, a good sign uh, of, of of not maybe trying again. You know, good. I think it's never wrong to like go on a second date to make sure because a lot of times on a first date, it's you're nervous and you don't know what to say. But you do have to be able to be yourself around someone. So either they're not your person and there's just not a good connection, or or maybe you're just not in a position to to date successfully because you're you know you're too concerned about being liked. And that's what people do all the time. They just they don't like the people go on dates hoping they get liked, which is normal, right? You want to be liked, but like they, they don't focus enough about like, do I even like this person? I don't even know them. I want to, I know I think they're attractive or they're good looking, but like, do we have anything in common? Like they're, do I have fun with them? And, um, and I think if you just focus on, on trying to get to know someone, uh, it, it goes a lot easier because then you're, then you're talking, but no one's talking. How do you, you know, how do you, you might have an awkward makeout, but, I don't know. Okay, I have, I have a segue here, which is, you know, Tom loves a good segue. Massage. <laughs> Massage. I'm just going to say it, Tom. I know he, gets, he doesn't like he's English. He doesn't like anyone touching him, basically. You know, it's, sort of, you know, it's very hard in, in England to go on any kind of date and actually get, you know, intimate because the concept of touching someone just freaks people out. Look, Nick's face, he's frowning his brow. He's like, what are you talking about? I'm talking about massage. Um, you have a natural habits essential oils business. What the hell? Where did that come from? Is that because it's all about you know? No, you're like, I, okay, I'm going to get into this. No, you know, I mean essential oils are right in the background. They're, it's a it's a, it's aromatherapy. It has nothing to do with massage oils. In fact, they would be terrible for massage oils. They they have a high absorption 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 rate, so it would just go right into your skin. It's just. Uh, uh, I, my sister's a holistic nutritionist and she's a partner of mine and it's just kind of a, a non-invasive type of therapy, you know, so it has medicinal benefits, you know, something for me, like I struggle with anxiety and, you know, there are some essential oils like lavender, for example, just has calming effects on the body. And, and if nothing else, just focusing on your breathing and aromatherapy just helps you be more present, right? And a lot of times my, my struggle with anxiety uh, is, is me, you know, dwelling on the past or being anxious about the future. And if I just kind of allow myself to be present, uh, that usually helps. And, um, essential oils are a, a, a great, uh, kind of non-invasive way to do that. You know, all the things like peppermint oil can help with like headaches, for example. So instead of like, Soothing, yeah. popping, I add valadiprofens that are really hard on your stomach. Lots of times it can help with, um, you know, headaches and things like that. And so it's just a non-invasive way to kind of dealing with kind of other things like candles. I mean, hey, everyone loves a good candle, but when you burn candles, you're burning carcinogens into the, your, the atmosphere and the air, and, and it's not particularly great to breathe or like Febreze or air fresheners. All those things have chemicals in it, and people often will use essential oils like I do to just uh, make your, your home smell, smell nice with uh, more organic and, and clean uh, you know, plants. Have you heard of the um, – we were talking to someone the other day on the spring, and they pulled up anxiety we're having a really really good chat about anxiety and someone said something really simple and i don't suffer from anxiety nice does i i haven't had it but i heard something that, that made a huge amount of sense and maybe it made sense to me because i haven't suffered from it so 
But someone said, if you if you if you can feel yourself getting when you're anxious, whether it's panic attack or becoming anxious, if you feel that coming on and you feel anxiety coming onto you, if you replace the anxiety with and you tell yourself, hang on a minute, I'm feeling anxious, but I'm not, and if you literally say to yourself, I'm not feeling anxious, I'm excited. Have you heard of this? Have you, have you apparently? It's the most phenomenal. Apparently, if you can literally, when you feel when you start to feel anxious, if you can say, no, 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 hang on a minute, I'm not anxious, I'm excited. Okay, no, what am I, I excited? I haven't heard that. I'll try that, though. But that is actually, it? that's my go-to. So that, what, how I've coped all these years is, is and it's the opposite. It's, and it was, uh, I, I learned it from an actor years ago who had stage fright. And he said that he would go on the sport and be like, like horror, like, and then so forget his lines. And then he managed to somehow turn it and was like, get on there and be like, I'm so excited to be here, and be, and it was, and it just reversed. It became the fear, became the excitement, and I, to this day, you, I, I get a, you'll get the welling up, for, almost like a tightening of the neck. But yeah. it's like I'm about to go on a roller coaster, not to die, but to be like, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, so it was you, you change that that moment, and it's a switch. And it's very funny how that is right on the same thing. It's basically a tipping point of oh, I'm terrified, I'm anxious. Oh my god! I'm so excited! I'm I'm thrilled. And so I'll, I'll I'll try that out. I think that's great. I mean, it's definitely a mindset. I definitely believe the power of the mind, and we, I think, sometimes have a way of uh, convincing ourselves. I think, especially we live in a time and an age of of uh, we're we're identifying all these things. You know, all these new terms are out there, and and anxiety. And it's great that people are aware that mental health, for example, is 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 a real problem, and focusing our mental health. But like. You know, we have to also recognize that we do, you know, have power to, you know, recognize that you have the mental health struggle and then focus your re refocus your thoughts. Like for me, like, you know, my my uh, a lot of my anxiety comes from just like ruminating and like obsessing over the same fears or, or things over and over. And it's something like I've been working on where I, I, I like you, I, I a, recognize that I have these and I recognize what I'm doing. You know, it's just like, OK. I've thought about this once. Okay, I've acknowledged the thing I'm worried about. Okay, great. I've thought about it. Now me thinking about it 10 more times isn't going to do anything about it. And so I'm going to actively say to myself, stop, stop. You know, think of, change my thought. Think about what I'm going to do. What else am I looking forward to? And, and uh, before that, I would just be like, oh, I can't help it. You know, I'm, I'm anxious. And, and I just kind of told myself I couldn't do anything about it. And I think when we... You know, telling yourself you're happy, you know, faking it till you make it, convincing and rechanneling that energy into something else, I think is, is great. And and just believing we have the power to to do things, you know, like people like I'm hard, I can't get over it. You know, I once told my dad I was going through a heartbreak. My first girlfriend, we broke up like, I don't know how many, six or seven times. And, you know, I met her when I was 18. My dad was just like, fine. I was like, hey, man, you're just you're just going to have to get over it. You know, and my mom was always like the one who was like, I don't know, like. You know, you just love her and, and it's so romantic. And, and I literally told my dad, it's like, I, I have a better chance. And I said, I, I meant it. I meant every word when I said it to him. And I, and I said, I have a better chance of levitating and floating across this floor than I do of getting over this, you know, and I kind of romanticized about it. And I just convinced myself I wasn't going to get over it. And I wasn't because I just wouldn't, I refused to believe it. And I think once we just like try to, tell ourselves and rechannel energy is, is we can get a lot done. And, and, um, so that's, that's a, it's a great story, Tom and, and Nigel. I'll, I'll definitely try convincing right. myself I'm excited and happy. And I think that'll help. 
There you go. I mean, give, give it a go. I mean, ultimately, that same feeling you get when you're about to go on a date with a girl that you really like, and you're like so like you know excited, but at the same time, it's anxious. So that's that point. That's the reason why I was able to channel it mentally because I remember being like, oh God, I don't want to do something wrong. I want to say the wrong thing, but at the same time, being like, oh my God, this girl likes me, and I'm going to go on a date oh, with her. Yeah. I'm so attracted to her. So it's like, wait a second, what am I feeling? That or that? Yeah. But they both feel the same. So yeah, it's kind of like fundamentally. When, when you're feeling those, that, when you're feeling that anxious anyway on first date, and then you meet the woman you're going to marry, and you put dog shit in your hair, it's a lifelong, it's a lifelong journey. A lifelong yeah. journey. I'm going to come back to the line of dog shit. Listen, Nick. Before we let you go, we have something on on shaken and stirred called last orders, which is a quick rapid fire moment. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right, here we go. Very simple. The first one, easy one to ease you in. Bachelor or bachelorette? Bachelorette. Um, it's uh, for I, I, you know, this of a viewer. I, I like I like watching a bunch of men acting a fools fighting over a woman. You know, <laughs> most romantic date. I once had a date in Venice, Italy. Uh, it was on the show. It was it was quite a romantic fun. If you can have a date in Venice, Italy, walking around the city, I, I highly recommend it. Before it goes under, in the movie of your life. Who would you have play you? Uh, sometimes I get told that I, I, I look like Ryan Reynolds. I do enjoy a sense of humor, and uh, uh, he's certainly a better-looking guy than me, so I'd be lucky if he would you know, take up the mantle. And, and uh, No, I pegged it. I have that written down, Ryan Reynolds, for you. So I, I, get, I, get, uh, I, I win on that one. Um, what floats your boat and what gets your goat? Uh, what gets my goat? I, I don't like liars and hypocrites, and I really hate it when people lie about uh, being on their way when they're still at home getting ready. Um, <laughs> Said with a man from experience. Uh, and what gets you? And what floats your boat? I mean, it sounds corny, but honesty. Like I find it really charming when people can can kind of like you know shitting your hair when people can just say, "I did not shit in my hair." Let's just get back. I got shit in my hair. It's a completely. Uh, by the way, yeah, it's, like, I think it's really charm. It's really it's really charming when when someone can point out uh, things that make them insecure or nervous, and, and you can you people kind of give you access into their their who they are, their souls, if you want to like. And I. I always makes me feel closer to people when they say, this is what scares me. This is what I worry about. You know, this is a flaw I have. And I connect far faster with those people than, than people who are quick to, uh, you know, brag or, or point out all their things. That or judge. Yeah. Or judge. I, oh, I love a, I love a good critic. That's, that's <laughs> different, you know. Hey, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Nick. Um, and final question, shaken or stirred? Uh, shaken. There we have it, people. Nick Vial, shaken and not shitted. Um, thank you so much. Please check out uh, the Vial files uh, and, it, and pretty much anywhere you can get a good podcast. And if you would like Nick's advice on this show, trust me, it only gets better. So get your questions ready and, and ask away and ask Nick. That he, I think you do ask Nick. Is that every Monday or Tuesday or something? Every Monday, yeah. People every are Monday. you know pretty vulnerable and gracious with their stories. And we get a, a wide variety, anywhere from polyamorous relationships to your typical he just cheated on me or I don't know how to get him to like me story. And um, we all, we all learn a lot about relationships and ourselves and it's, it's a lot of fun.
The man, the man tells it like it is. Thank you so much for joining us on Shaken and Stirred. We really, really uh, appreciate it. What a lot of fun, a lot of insight. Um, and two old guys like us know nothing about dating, so it's rather fun just to get back into it and talk about it and reminisce. You, you know, you brought out a few good stories out of me yourself. So how about that? That was a lot of fun. It was a real pleasure, guys. I really appreciate you guys having me. All the best. Cheers, my friend. All right, cheers. Take care, everybody. Thank you very much for listening. That is Shaken Instead. We will be back next week with another podcast and another fantastic guest. And uh, stay safe. See ya.